Hello, everyone. I want to introduce you to today's guest, Miss Jennifer Gligerich of the Entrepods Podcast. Did I get that last name right? I've been practicing. Yes, you did. In fact, that's amazing. <laughs> Phonetically. You know why? Because I did not know that that was my last name. I married into it because the name was Gligoric. And so we went to Serbia and people were like, Gligorich, Gligorich, coming up to my now ex-husband. And I said, who's that? And he said, oh, that's how you're supposed to pronounce it. But people can't get it in America. So now I just say Gligoric and everybody gets it. Okay. And I was like, I'm demanding that everybody see Right. You know, you have to have people respect the name and say it correctly the first time. But I'm in today. Jennifer is joining us. She is the host of the Entrepods podcast. We met in the ASA Academy, which was a school for podcasters put on by the ASA Collective Network. And thank you to everyone who had a part of that. In addition to all of the awesome things she's doing with her podcast, she's an entrepreneur and a business educator. When she's not interviewing the world's most innovative entrepreneurs or helping to build new societies based on ethical entrepreneurship, one unity, and humanity, she helps business owners to optimize their organizations to grow revenue and new customers. She does this by working with them to create the unique structures, systems, and processes that allows owners to better utilize their time on the focused activities that have the largest positive impacts to allow them to have more time to focus on the personal life and their family and wellness. And guys, I just want to let y'all know, she's like amazingly badass because she's escaped homelessness and she shows people the reality of what it's like to not have, but now to be blessed in her business and be growing her business. So thank you so much for joining me today. I hope I got your bio right to your... I'm excited <laughs> to be here. So... Yes, yes, you may. I mean, I sound know, you, so you, awesome. You, you, yeah, I'm sending this it. to my mom. But... Uh, <laughs> I want to talk to you because <laughs> I did. The, I did. We have to promote listen, ourselves. I'm working guys. on rewriting my my bio. I got to make it sound more badass after reading yours. But um, I want to talk to you about homelessness and poverty because right now, you know, we're coming out of I use quotation marks because we don't know what that is out of the COVID pandemic. And what we've learned is that a lot more people have less than what we thought the American humans had in society. What can you tell us about classism and what you've seen and what you tell people to build their businesses to prevent poverty? How can we bring each other up? Okay, well, it's... One of the things it's important to realize is that what we're being told on social media and TV, I'm just going to tell you, it's pretty much all lies. Like one of the last like wild, wild west for truth is podcasts like this. So I have literally moved to listen to more podcasts because there's real voices in its reality. And I'm going to tell you, I was really homeless, homeless. I wasn't like someone who was just, you know, with friends and going to different houses, but my, my life wasn't that bad. I was, there were days in, in a row that I didn't eat. I would stay at the Covenant House shelter. Thank God. God bless Covenant House for helping um, underage kids who are homeless like I was. Um, and sometimes I didn't have a, a place. It was just wherever I could sleep. And there's many stories about that. But like, for example, if you're a woman, um, 
there's a certain time a month that really sucks to be homeless because you have need access to certain products. And all you can get is those brown things that, you know, the brown paper uh, hand towels that you get from a 7-Eleven. And you have to learn to sleep steep standing up because you can't lay down anywhere on the ground because that attracts bugs and roaches and rats wow. and things. And people don't think about those basic things that I had to think about a lot, you know, just sitting my face on my forehead, like behind this building and just like, I can sleep just a little bit standing up and not to fall down. You know, like you don't think about that or access to a clean bed where it's not a leaky roof because it's an abandoned building, what it's like to be dry, you know? And so when you come from that, and, and I'm going to tell you, there are so many people who live like that and they're around you every day. I know who they are now. They're in the stores and they look okay because people have pride. They're not going to tell you how bad it is. And that's why it's so shocking when you see hoarders. It's so shocking when you see these cops episodes. It's shocking on TikTok and people are like, girl, look at that bathtub. Look at that house. And they say something because it's just like we are conditioned that everybody's lives are these fake things. And we don't realize that there are 17 million white Americans that live at under a dollar a wow. day. There are 12.1 uh, black Americans, 9.1 Hispanic Americans. And, and then there's like 5.6 Asian and other. That is 40 some odd million people living in a dollar a day. They're all around us and you're just not noticing them. So one thing to, to realize for that is you can get out of it. Your mindset is the only thing that can truly help you to get out of that level of poverty. So if you're unhealthy, if you're addicted, if you have a disease, it's going to be much harder for you. And I can't speak to that because thank God, you know, for the Christ of God, I did not have to worry with that, but people helped me. There are tremendous people at Covenant House helped me. And one of the most important things that I was told, there's this great lady, she came here from Haiti. You know, I was in South Florida at that time and she had, her family had uh, immigrated uh, here and she had the most wonderful personality and the, the most beautiful mm -hmm. speaking voice. She just sounded like she was a, a queen you know, and she was working at, at, you know, as a counselor and she always made such an impression because her carriage and her voice. And I remember joking, I was like, yeah, but not everybody gets to come from as much money or, you know, privilege that in, in okay. this was like the eighties. Right. And uh, she said, oh no, we were very poor. She goes, but I knew there's one thing that I could do is I had learned the, the key, which is the uniform and the right, uh, the code. And, and I said, what's the uniform and the code? She goes, it's an American business suit and business English. Once I was able to get those two things and I could do it pretty cheap, I was accepted everywhere. And it didn't matter that I was poor. It didn't matter I was from Haiti. It didn't matter anywhere else. People looked at me different. They could strip me down naked and even take the suit away. But my carriage and my business voice and that just stuck with me because I am from Texas. So I had an accent. I've worked very hard to be able to present myself in a certain way. Now, if I get angry, if I start crying, then the y'alls and the ain'ts and the what can'ts, there's a lot of stuff that can come out. But I learned that. 
And I also learned how to how to shop for that. For example, you can go to Walmart and they had this one line called George and they would have plain black pants, a plain black shirt for that. So it's like 28 bucks at the time I could get a little blazer and a shirt and pants. That's how much it cost mm-hmm. at that time to get it. But it was clean. It had nice lines on it. It wasn't very fancy, but that was an interview outfit that I had because I only had one and I'd wear it all the time and I tried to keep it you know, clean. But I practiced my voice. I practiced what I would say. And my mother had owned an employment agency Mm -hmm. before she got really sick and I became homeless. She was a business owner and she always kept the business. She just wasn't a great mom. I had to leave because it was, there was a lot of abuse in 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 my younger years. But if you would see my family now, you would think that I would grown up with a silver spoon in my mouth, but there was this time period where everybody went to crap, right? Kind of when I needed them. Um, So I had to work at a very young age in an employment agency and I knew how to interview because I listened and I listen. I knew the power of a job and how it transforms people. I've had a career as a coach and a consultant, mostly in HR, helping people work better, work smarter because it's, it's what we do for the majority of our day. It's our gift to the world back. Right? So I took what little skills I could get as a kid in that, and, and, I, and I worked on them. It was a lot of work, and she helped me, and other wonderful people helped when I could get the help. And I just never gave up, and I never succumbed. I also, she taught me an attitude, a certain attitude you have when you're dealing with bad people, you know, junkies and human traffickers and the Epsteins of the world. Um, because at that time, I was really, really cute. And there were bad people in South Florida and they were looking right. for, you know, girls who had no one. So I would talk about my big family and I would just say, yeah, I'm in a thing right now, but I've got to call my mom and, uh, you know, if things get really bad, I'll go back. And I have, you know, I just alluded to the fact yes. that there were people, I had some people, right. And that, that scares them off. And I later read a book um, from Tina Fey. And she said, it isn't the beauty that draws a predator's yep. eye. It's the damage. And that, I thought that was it. I didn't appear damaged because I wasn't. I didn't succumb to any of the other things, even though prostitutes. I mean, I shared rooms with prostitutes, uh, gay prostitutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, a hustler saved my life. I was so, I was pregnant at the time and I was so hungry and I was so angry. I was so angry. And they have a Howard Johnson's that's right there on A1A on the beach. And I was watching people eat. And a Howard Johnson's ha- mm-hmm. is like a Denny's in the, in the very bottom of it. It's just a diner. And it's all windows. And they were looking over A1A. And you could see the beach, the Fort Lauderdale Beach. And I remember hating everyone in there. Like, you know, they're just eating. They don't realize, like, how that's great. And they're just leaving all that food on there. I mean, they were, you know, kids barely even eating it. I got so angry that I got, went in there and I hadn't eaten for days and I probably looked really disgusting, you know, like not the cleanest person. And I sat down on a table of a big family that left and I started eating all their leftovers and everybody got real quiet. <laughs> and I got up after I ate their leftovers and I went to another table and I started eating just out of sheer, I was mad. And the waitress came and she had crumpled up dollars and she said, you're going to have to leave after this one. And instead of being grateful to her for for taking her hard earned money as a waitress to try to like feel sorry for me, I like snatched it out. And I still feel bad about this. If you were that waitress and you're listening, I'm very grateful you did that. I was just in a really bad place. 
And I walked out and uh, another kid that was in the homeless shelter came in and he was like, Hey, do you need a place to stay? Cause you look really bad. And I just watched that. That was a pretty interesting scene. And I was like, so, you know, and I was like near tears at that point and so upset. And he said, well, I got a new trick. And uh, basically he, he's really cool. He won't even be there and he's super old and he, he won't care. He won't care. He'll let me do whatever right. I want. And I said, okay. And that kid talked this old guy into letting me into this little room that he had rented with him so he could show him off. And we were kids. Right. This was bad and never forced himself on me. He never asked for anything. Let me take a shower. And the next day I woke up and I was like, I can't live like this. And I don't want to end up like him because the old guy had come home. And that was a scene that's going to be forever burned in my brain. And I took that crumpled up money and I went to a phone booth place where you could, where you could go from the covenant house and you get tokens and they let you call. And I scored an interview and that ended up being a job and I ended up wow. getting an apartment from that. So he's literally saved my life. When people who loved me, my own family would have turned away from me in shame. And I'm going to tell you when you're poor, racism doesn't really exist. It's, mm. it's a whole different world. And it's a whole different way to look at things of humanity. And so it was the best thing that ever happened to me. It was the worst thing that ever happened in some ways, some ways not. I think getting my heart broke from a real bad relationship where the guy was toxic. That was actually worse so, than that because oh, he no, was no, bad. No, go ahead. But go ahead. No. So anyway, I got a job and I just worked slowly but surely. And I ended up getting as much information as I could. And I realized that I was going to hit a glass ceiling as a girl at that time. And so the only way I could get through that is if I did what my mom did. And she was a pioneer. Now she's been sober for 30 years. And I talked to oh, her every week from AA and the grace of God, she's back in my life and the most wonderful mom. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm the most blessed person to have my mom in my life now. And I had to forgive her. I mean, she was, she was a monster, but she didn't do it on purpose. And when I let go of that resentment and I forgave her because she was heartfully sorry, that was all the difference. And then she did all the work for years. Now we're at this great place. But I got to tell you, that was a wait. And my friend. So. well wait jennifer let me tell you something like okay listen we are 15 minutes in you have already given me so many nuggets already like listen i'm sitting here like i am quiet because i am in awe and i know my listeners are in awe because you have told us about being homeless you've told us about the people who've reached out to you to help you save yourself at the moments where you were saved. Normally at this point in the show, I would ask somebody what their fuck it moment was that made them say, I don't want this life anymore. But you've said so much, you know, you didn't want to live that way anymore. You got yourself a good job. You got yourself an apartment. You talked about your mom's alcoholism and the fact that she's got sober and, you know, is rebuild, working to rebuild your relationship. You talked about forgiveness and about how in a, re a toxic relationship you, oh my God, I mean, you had to forgive your mom for those things. A lot of people can't forget. I think the bucket moments are through your life. 
<laughs> I think <laughs> at every point you're going to have to say fuck it a lot. Yes. Well, fuck it. I'm just going to do it. What else do I have to lose? Right. I need to eat. That was a fuck it moment. And guess what? It gave me enough money to make those calls. And even though I didn't honor the person who did that at the time, I found somebody else who did that. The angels came into my life because I was at my fuck it moment. Right. And then after that, I ended up working for a company called AdMax. They're here somewhere. And they dealt with luxury advertising. So if you were selling a boat, art, a thoroughbred horse, or a luxury car, then you would go to AdMax and then they would have one ad in all of the luxury magazines saying, are you looking for something? We have all the people in the, in the country that are selling it. Because at that time, if you would have just put an ad for a Lamborghini in Timbuktu because you had one, what are the chances of you selling it? If you right. were nationwide, it was there. So I telemarketed and I beat out Literally, I was sitting there with people going, I have a master's degree, I have a this, I have a that. And I basically zhuzhed up the most ridiculous resume you've ever seen. And instead of putting that I was living in the covenant house, I put apartment number instead of the dorm number. I put apartment number two so they wouldn't, it would go through their thing. And I said, fuck it, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to do whatever I can to get this because this is what I need. And that's it. And and so there's many times I, I, I lost two businesses during COVID and I was looking at insolvency and bankruptcy just last year. And then I said, well, let me just reach out to people. And then one person came through my LinkedIn, Jonathan Gehrig with Armor Up Consulting. And I thought, I feel like I need to talk to him. Well, he's not going to talk to me. That guy's way up here and here I am losing businesses and he's helping high level entrepreneurs grow businesses. And I thought, well, fuck it. What's the worst thing that can happen? I ended up getting a part scholarship to go into that program, which I could not afford to do, but I said, fuck it. And I did it. Right. I ended those companies and still scale them. And I ended them way before I ever would have done on my own. Cause I would have pushed it off the edge probably out of just sheer desperation. And that mastermind group pulled me out of myself, helped me refocus back on fractional consulting and, 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 you know, re really, just pivoted everything. And then I rebranded the podcast and now we're like doing gangbusters. Guys, so you gotta you say fuck it a lot. You have to say fuck it a lot. And guys, if you um, are looking to learn about business development, the Entrepods podcast is the real deal. Like, um, I listened to a couple of your episodes. I listened to everyone's episodes or read their material before they come on a guest as a show. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so honored. She wants to be a part of this because your story needs to be a book, a lifetime movie, a, um, you know, let's market it. Like whatever you, she is. I'm talking to book people right now for it. Do it, do it, do it. No, but this is truth. And I listened and I talked to so many people who are down on their luck, who are feeling sorry for themselves. We all feel sorry for ourselves when our reality looks really bleak. But one thing you said is that yeah. you had some light come to you in various points of your downtimes and you embraced that light no matter what it looked like. And that is but so many people are afraid to take chances because we don't trust. Because we are afraid we're going to get burned again. Like you said, a bad relationship will fuck you up. So 
what advice do you have to people to identify that an opportunity is a good opportunity? Well, number one, if you're really aligned, you have to you have to know yourself. So you have to think about where you're going. One of the first things that you do is your is your mindset. So let's say you want to have a business, you want to do whatever. You've got to have radical honesty and acceptance. That is the key to change. So you've got to just say, well, I want the love of my life, but I'm 50 pounds overweight. I'm 50 years old and I haven't been going out of the house or taking care of myself and I drink too much. And then, so that's radical honesty. And then you radically accept it. Mm. So this is where I am. Does that mean that I am unable to get love? No, it doesn't. Mm. So this is what I'm dealing with right now. Can I change anything and what I'm going to do? And then you make a path towards that radical honesty and acceptance. And that's personal, but you do it at work. The best business owners do that in their jobs. They, right. they think about their exit strategy and because everything changes. So you get to that one point and then you live in gratefulness. That's very important. Not resentment. Resentment is a killer of all and destroyer of all dreams and hopes. So you live in gratefulness for what you have. And then I'm just, you, you're a higher power. I'm going to go to the, every 12 step for, for, you need to understand there's a higher power greater than yourself. For me, it's God. And I just tell God, put, I will do the action, Lord, put it in place and let it work out. And every time I have focused on that in my day and asked that of the universe and put that out there, it's worked out. Now, has everything worked out perfectly? No, sometimes it worked out for a lesson. But God's never, ever not had my back in the end. And God has never, ever not put me exactly where I really needed to be. Maybe not in my time, never what I thought about it. But if you can have that, it makes everything so much easier. I don't know how people do it without it. I don't. Well, I'm sitting here and I'm listening. When you just said that sometimes we have to look at ourselves at our jobs and say, I need to accept that this is how I am. Do I, how do I fix it? How do I look at it? How do I frame it? And I'm thinking about every job I've ever had where I had that moment. It was like, am I a shitty employee or is this a shitty employer? <laughs> you <Yeah. know? laughs> You're like, am I that bad of a human? Or is this a really pl bad place I need to get the hell out of? And so for so many people, they're on the fence of, do I want to start my own business? But I had one guest a few years ago who said, I realized I was the shitty employee. She goes, now I work for myself. I'm running my own company. I was the shitty employee. It was L. And, you know, I just think about it. And to be able to be honest with yourself and say, you know what? I'm not perfect. Because a lot of us, we leave our jobs and we're like, I'm going to start this, this, and this. And it's going to be almost every business that starts, only a hand of them succeeds. And it's your radical honesty. Yeah, because of entrepreneurial. No, go ahead. Yeah, I was about to say, I wrote this article once about entrepreneurial peer pressure. And I said, you know, it's just weird. I'll go to all these at that time when we could go to networking events all the time. So I go to all these events and they go, so how much money do you want to make? I'm going to be a millionaire. I'm going to make a million dollars. I mean, like 90% of the people, it was a millionaire, million dollars at that time when I was going, it was always a million a year, a million, million, million. And uh, I thought about that and I thought, do they even know like how much that is a month, how much that is an hour? Or are they just saying that? So needless to say, they were all very unhappy because they weren't millionaires, right? And so 
I talked about like, and so I did this exercise with myself. I, I said, how, how, what my, is my life going to be like for me to feel financially abundant and free? And so I thought I want to be able to take a cruise because I love cruises. I just love it. I'm, I'm one of those people. I'm, I'm on the boat. I, okay. I love it. I love it. Okay. So I love the cruises. I would like to take a cruise every three months. And I would like to be able to take that time off to do that. And I would like to have, you know, I would like to know that if something broke, the water heater or something, I would have at least, I think at the time it was like $10,000. It wasn't much. I, I would feel abundant if I could have that right on a card. And I know that if something broke, I could take care of it and not go into debt. And I had all these little things. And then I figured it out. And then I, and then I said, okay, so how much would that be? And I figured out how much the money would be for my house. And it turned out at that time, I think I only needed like 150 some odd or 70,000 years on earth. You know, it was like this amount that was so doable to live a life that I wanted. And then I realized, why am I trying to get everybody else's hopes and dreams when they don't even really know if they want those hopes and dreams? Just because you know, people told me that. And now it's even worse. I mean, look at social yeah. media. They, it's filters. They don't even look <laughs> like that. You know, I don't even look like I have a little filter that kind of blurs my face on right now because I don't, I'm hot. I'm in Texas. I've been sweating all day. Right. So if, if we don't even, we're such liars, right. On all this stuff. So if we really get honest, you'd be amazed at how doable and achievable your dreams are and how you can reverse engineer a total life that you want to that from how many hours you work, how much time you have with kids or your significant other or dating or cruising or whatever it is that, that you love. And, and all you have to do is just start with total yes. honesty. What do I really, really want? What do I absolutely need? And of course, that that numbers change now. It went up, and then it went down, and then it's now it's so, back up again. But so it's I'm all good. And I'm so with, I'm also. I want you to realize you're talking about this mindset, and a lot of people cannot get through that whole scarce. The, the scarcity mindset is real. What do you say to people who can't get through the fact that, oh, my God, my account's overdrawn. Oh, my I'm never going to be a, I'm not never going to be a success because my podcast numbers are low. I'm never going to be a success because the last contract I had canceled on me. What do you say to someone who really feels like they're at the end of their rope but has a dream? What, what can you tell them? What do you say to them? Well, number one, when you're, you're doing an arrow, it gets tightest and the hardest right before you're about to launch. So that's when you're going to get really lean. So if you're really working really hard and things start getting really tight, that's, that's usually the, not that worse of an indicator. So don't let that freak you out. But I would say I have interviewed in my career and I've worked with and talked with hundreds of entrepreneurs, some of the most successful people that you see on Instagram and on TV or you hear about that people look up to. And every single one of those people does the exact same thing. They have a positive mindset and they have a routine that they cling to that they do. So I would just say, now you believe in reality, right? So if Everyone that is successful is doing, has this one thing. They all say the same thing. It's your mindset. It's how you think. If you can or you can't, it's really up to you. It doesn't matter if you're dead broke or whatever. You can get, you can get out of that, but you have to start making a positive step a day. Come up with a plan, get a positive mindset, think you can, and then every day just make, do whatever you can towards that goal. 
And if you do that, there's no way you're going to be unsuccessful unless you, you ruin it. You ruin it. But it's up to you. You are the most powerful creature on the planet. Don't let everything else. And it's hard because I'm really into politics. And right now I'm so pissed I can't even say it. And then I have to walk away from it and go, look, that is a whole other reality. And I'm just going to, I have to even just get oh, divorce myself from that and say, I don't accept that. I don't, I don't take that in. In fact, I refuse to even acknowledge that for myself because I have to have this. So you, you just need to get. I, I, I mean, I want to, I can't shake it and I, I can't, I can bring you the water and the drink, but I'm just going to say if every other successful person in the world is saying, just do this, give it a try. What's the worst that can happen? If you keep on doing the same thing you're doing, you're going to get the same result. You know, like people yeah. come to me as a coach and they say, well, let me make some money and then I'll come back and I'll afford whatever. And I ask them, you know, if you come to me and you say that, I may say this to you, it depends on your circumstances, but I'm like, and how is that supposed to work? You already are saying you're not making any money. You already are doing this. You're already doing that. So how is that going to work? Tell me your plan. And then you have to come up with the plan. You know, you just have to sometimes go, I'm going to get outside of myself, get help, get a mentor, somebody outside yourself. It doesn't have, it can be anybody, right? But we, we don't do it alone. We're not meant to do it alone, you know? So thank you for touching on that because tribe is so important. Creating a community, creating healthy systems. Sometimes our families aren't the support systems we need them to be. So finding a therapist, having a faith leader, having a mentor, having a coach, uh, making sure you have an accountant, things of that nature, people who are going to keep you honest because these goals sometimes they're overwhelming and it's really easy to deviate from the plan because you're feeling bad that day or you're feeling shitty that day. Somebody said something to you or you got a response on Instagram, like you said, isn't even real about something and it hurt your feelings. This entrepreneurship is not for the weak. It is not for hurt feelings. You have to keep pushing every day because the next dollar is dependent upon you and your systems that you have in place. Like, yes, you want multiple streams of income. Every day I see 75 people posting about their multiple streams of income. What is your plan to get to that point where you can create the multiple streams of income? You can talk to me till you're blue in the face about what your dreams are, but until there's an action plan, and I'm saying I'm laughing at them because you're preaching to me because I have this whole action plan in my bedroom where my kids think I've lost my mind where it's sticky notes like and we're doing this this week and we're doing that and it's quarter three it's time to launch this and they're like what is happening in here but you have to get really strategic with these goals you know beginning the pandemic we all were feeling really sorry for ourselves watching our lives change so it is wonderful one that you've just shared all of these tidbits and facts with you and I can't wait for people to read them and then also be able to download the transcript and you know read it for themselves if they're unable to hear another thing I want to say to you is you woke up one morning and realized that your life had changed a little bit because you were you had become a member of parliament would you like to talk about Yes. The nation yeah. that you are yes. a member of. 
Yes, yes. I was following. So I I live in Galveston, and we are south of of Johnson Space Center. So I actually went to school with kids whose parents were, you know, astronauts, and you know, you knew about them. I mean, it's like a big community here. My sister works at NASA. My dad works at NASA, and so things that have to do with space or this, I'm just kind of like into, you know, and. There was a fam- there is a famous Russian billionaire, one of the richest people in the world, Dr. Igor Asher Bailey. He is the winner of World UNESCO Awards, the developer of the Star Wars space technology. And years ago, he said, you know, these bordered societies aren't going to work and we're going to have to protect humanity. So his Star Wars technology was to, you know, how are we going to protect Earth against an asteroid? How are we going to do this? And he developed it. And now he's one you know, some of the most prestigious awards in science and technology on the planet. And he decided that, well, we have the technology now. We can make a digital nation and we can take all the most brilliant scientists and, and teachers and educators and artists and lawyers, because you always need lawyers even in space, and develop a society that is one unity, one humanity. Because the way we're operating right now is not like that. There's division that's being created by the governments to, to, so people can be put in place. They need people to be put in their place. And so it's a type of freedom project. So I thought, well, this is interesting. And, you know, it got poo-pooed, of course, at, at first. And then it took on steam because, the n- number one, there's, there's billions of dollars behind it. And uh, the lawyers in every country. And now they're... Um, I thought, well, I'm going to join. I'm just going to join and keep up with the news and that'll be my support. So I became a resident, you know, I paid my my euros to 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 get there and I got an ID in the mail and and uh, eventually I'll have a passport and uh, they we just wow. did a test for universal healthcare, 100% paid and it worked. That yeah, and it's going to go out to anybody who's wow. who's who's a resident and so I made a video and uh, of a platform. And I thought, I'll just try because I knew, you know, what, what are the chances? And then I woke up and I had won over a million people and all these votes. And I now I'm one of 150 members of parliament wow. for the nation of Escardia. And we have parliamentary meetings, we have 12 interpreters, and the speaker for parliament. So our speaker of parliament is a member of British parliament who's actually very well known and the other members of parliament, some wow. are with the UN and some are members of government in their respective countries. It, <laughs> there's me. And I was like, you know, like, why am I here? But they needed an entrepreneur and they needed someone who knows how to build digital uh, and scale the way I do. And I had to go through a lot of vetting, you know, there's a complete background check and all the wow. other stuff like that. And I made it, you know, so I felt, I felt very legit after all, all I went through and I'm learning, you know, for all of my gripes about government, which I have a lot now that I see it from the legislative end, trying to create the laws to develop it and how many other voices that you have to listen to, how many other human experiences need to go into it. And then the lawyer's point of view, it's given me a deep appreciation for the process. Um, We have our digital settings where everybody comes together and it is uh, simulcast on television. So the next one is going to be um, August, the weekend of August 27th. So I will wake up. Um, 5 a.m. <laughs> and I'm there with everybody else and I will present this time because right. I 
helping so many businesses. I have a lot of skill sets in, in tech and different things like that as a coach consultant. And I built an intranet for parliament right. that I know will be very helpful for new people. Cause it's, you know, it's a, you come into that and not everybody has uh, backgrounds in law or developing law. And even some lawyers come in, they don't have that background. And so it kind of helps ramp people on, you know, cause onboarding, for all you business owners, onboarding is one of the most important things you can do to retain yeah. staff. And so <laughs> it's part of that process. But it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yes. I, it's uh, yes. the idea that I am working on something I'll probably never see in my lifetime. You know, a space society is not going to happen, but it can happen now. We can, we can have a lot of things mm -hmm. now. We can have an economy now. We have a bank. We have a unit of currency that's called the solar. And it is EU backed. Wow. And uh, I have business plan that's ending and other businesses and they're going to open it up to other businesses. So I want to get licensing wow. rights and I'm going to have it. You know, there's a lot of things that are, that are in place and, and I hope it'll get approved. They may come back and say no with my business plan and I'll have to go back again. But the thing is we are working very hard on it and it's all in legislation because once we open up the business economy, wow. you know, I don't know if p people know, know this or not, but out of the largest economies in the United, in not the United States, in the world, 49 are nations, 51 are companies, corporations, the largest economies. So the Google economy hmm. is more than some nations. So this is a problem and it's also something wonderful because we don't want to have, you don't want to have, you know, Coca-Cola mining company, uh, doing whatever they want for the Coca-Cola courts that they just decided right. to, to do and uh, then murdering people in space for, for things under the Coca-Cola court. You know, not that they would do that, but that's a fear. I know it's a fear because I, I, was, at, I was invited as a delegate from Miss Guardia to be part of the, the first ever United Space Command's legal conference. And it was Space Command and all these other government agencies. We had brigadier generals. Wow. We had big people. And of course, because it's the American one, he was like, you know, we're going to win space. I was really like impressed by the, by the top gun positivity of it. But then he got really serious at that time. They were tracking what China had put up in the air. They had, they had launched this missile with a 10 story unit next to it. And they'd taken that 10 stories with them. And they did not realize where it was going to come down. It was a big mistake. So the strike zone for this 10 story building Ooh. was going to be South of New York and North of Perth, Australia. And every single government was monitoring it, Ooh. their space agency, because it could have wiped out an entire G an entire Metro area would be gone. It went into the ocean. Thank God it was, it made a blip in the news, probably not to freak people out because they were very worried right. about it. And it's because not everybody is on board with you know, regulating everything. We have so much space junk. An amazing amount of space junk is from these offshoot people who are not, not doing what the international community would like. So we absolutely need to have a society that's regulating this and regulating it for you know, the space junk and then the environment and to, to save earth and to save humans. And, and, and uh, this has to happen. So anyway, it's interesting. I'm learning a lot. And so that is my quote unquote hobby that I'm working on a lot harder than I thought. Of. So where can 
my listeners find you and what do you have going on next? They can go to entrepods.com. That's E-N-T-R-E-P-O-D-S.com. You'll find everything about me on there. All the podcast episodes, every platform on, on, on what we're doing next, Escardia, mm-hmm. whatever you want. And the September 1st, we're going to be launching my 30-day bootstrap boot camp. Mm-hmm. So I have put together this boot camp and I'm going to, everybody's yelling at me because of the pricing, but I'm like, okay, I have a 90 day, very intense program okay. that I have. Um, and that is a good offering, but it's coaching and consulting where it's working with an entire team with either you or your staff from marketing to tech, to everything to aggressively scale and fix anything you've got going wow. on. So we're going to double your, your income, right? So the bootstrap is what everyone has to do in the beginning. And it's a lot of the things that we talked about. It's 30 days and it's going to get, if you're a brand new or just starting out, haven't started, but know you have to start it or something's broke, then this is what you're supposed to do. And it's step by step by step. And I've literally taken it from the hundreds of the most successful entrepreneurs I've interviewed. And I know it works. I've done it. That's what got me out of not being, I had to do this or I would be bankrupt right now. And I'm not, I made it through closing two businesses, pivoting, rebranding okay. <laughs> in the yeah, middle of COVID. COVID. So I know if I can do it using the same thing that anybody's able to do it. I know you're amazing. So, yeah, no, I think you're amazing. I'm so excited oh, to be on you. here, even though I said the F word, like my son's here. And so we, we don't know how house and he's going to be like, there's a lot that's going in that swear charm, mommy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about that. But no, so you have no. your, your boot camp starting. You have people, I you know, check it out. Make sure you check it out. Are you on any social media? I'm on all social media. In fact, I'm, I'm actually wanting to get off of some, because if you just put in at the at sign entrepods, it'll bring up mm-hmm. Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, everything that we're on. It just at entrepods, everything comes up. So, yeah. Excellent, excellent, excellent. No, I want to thank you so much for all of these gems that you have provided to the listeners and to myself. I'm sitting here now like I need to get my routine together. I need to keep my mindset together, you know, and I just thank you for joining us today. So everyone, thank you for tuning into today's episode. Please follow Entrepods wherever you listen, wherever you're, you you spend your time online. She's apparently everywhere. And um, I will see you guys in a couple of days. Thank you for this episode. <laughs>